Well, good morning to you. I'm going to be using a word quite often in this message, and so I just wanted to settle something real quick, if that's okay with you guys. Um, if you pronounce the word H-U-M-B-L-E like this, humble, would you raise your hand? Anybody? Oh, just a few of you. Thank you. Good job. All right. If you pronounce the word H-U-M-B-L-E like this, humble, raise your hand. All right, those of you that raise your hand first, look around, because keep your hands raised, you humble people. Uh, that's the correct way to say it. I didn't learn that that was the right way to say that word until 2011 when I came on staff here at Woods Edge, and Jeff said, hey, Ben, I need to talk to you. Humble, it's a town in Texas. And he patted me on the back and walked off. <laughs> So I humbly submit this humbling story to you. Uh, also, if you pronounce the city, the town, humble, Texas, it's humble. There ain't nothing humble about humble, okay? All right, <laughs> moving on. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 is where we're going to be at today, talking about humility and pride. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders... Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Thank God for his holy word. At the beginning of this chapter, chapter 5, Peter is addressing the elders in the church, some of the leaders of the church, uh, early church. And, and at the beginning of this passage today in verse 5, Peter turns to the younger and says, Hey, younger, listen to the elders. Pay attention to what they say. Do as they ask and respect them. Submit to them. Obey them. And, and the end of that verse is where we're going to spend the majority of our time today, from the end of verse 5 on through verse 7, where he starts off saying, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Clothe yourselves. Well, this is an easy one. Clothe yourselves. We know what that means, thank God. Uh, it means to get dressed. And so Peter is saying, <clears throat> literally, get dressed with humility. Put on humility. Tie it around yourself like you would an apron or a belt. Perhaps Peter is even remembering earlier on in his life uh, when he was with the disciples in the upper room. And we can read about this in John chapter 13. But they're up there and Jesus uh, gets up from the table and he starts to wash the disciples' feet. Let's read this together. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands he, and that all things had come from God and he was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Was Peter remembering that scene? Maybe, maybe not. It's the same language. Basically, Jesus was laying aside his outer garments, his preferences, and he wrapped himself, he clothed himself in humility. Uh, maybe even Peter was remembering his response and conversation that he had with Jesus that night. As Jesus got up and started to do started to wash the disciples' feet, wrapping himself with a towel. Um, and, and Peter saw it. Peter said to Jesus, uh, no, no way are you going to wash my feet. 
Jesus, there's no way. And Jesus responded, the only way that you will have any part of me is if I wash your feet. That's the only way. And so Peter responds and says, wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Wash all of me. He sees it. He gets it. And that's maybe what Peter is remembering. Clothe yourselves with, your, with humility toward one another. Setting aside your preferences, put on humility. Now this is, it's an imperative verb for all of you grammar nerds out there. Clothe yourself. It's a command. Clothe yourself. It means do it. Do it now. Are, are we clothed in humility? I ask myself this question. I, I am not preaching this as someone that's got it all figured out. I, I am preaching this because I'm walking through it and continue to walk through it. Uh, God revealing my pride in my heart. Um, clothe yourself with humility. Do we have this attitude toward one another? Many of us here do. I think of uh, some of our elders. I think of Jeff. Not some of our elders. I don't mean like that. I think of our elders. I think of our staff. I think of uh, Jeff. Um, many of you. You've clothed yourself in humility. You've laid aside your outer garments, your preferences. Um, next service, you might be serving in the kids' ministry. We're going to change a diaper. That's humility. You're humbling yourselves. Maybe you came in early to greet people as they came in this morning. Or you picked up some trash around the building. You're, you've clothed yourself in humility. Um, now, am I suggesting, though, that those who serve are without pride? Of course not. Of course not. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, uh, what is my motivation? Why am I serving? If there's any ounce of pride in our humility, that it can't be pride. I mean, that it can't be humility. It has to be pride. I'll say it again. If there's any amount of uh, pride in our humility, then there is zero humility in our serving. We might as well not even do it. It's like what uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a, it's a clanging brass. It's a noisy cymbal. It's all nothing. But you have to check your motivation. If you've checked yourself and you're, you're saying, this is for the Lord, I'm serving him. This is not about me. I'm doing this because I want to imitate Christ. I want to imitate Jesus. Then that, that is humility. We have to check ourselves. We have to emulate and follow his model. That's really the only way to be humble is to follow him and to study his life. In Philippians chapter 2, Verse 5, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by dying, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus is the ultimate example. He's really the only example that we can follow and emulate. And so the only way to humility is to study his life and to follow him, to obey him. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Verse 5, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. God opposes pride. He's against it. He's repulsed by it. He attacks it. It angers him. There's only one God on the throne, and it's not us. It's him. And so he, he, he doesn't like it. He's turned off by it. Pride is simply a self-obsession. It's when you think that you have no weaknesses. Obviously, that's arrogant. 
If you think you have no weaknesses, that is pride. It's also on the flip side, if you think that you're too weak. You see the, the flip? On one side, you have no weaknesses, that's pride. On the other side, you think that you're too weak, that's also pride. If you think that you're too weak and that God could never do anything with you that, um, that would ever be of any significance or of any value or any importance, that you think you're so talentless, that there's nothing good inside of you that God could ever use, uh, and you feel like your lameness somehow keeps you from being used by God. Newsflash, read the Bible. The Bible is full of people uh, who have weaknesses and have flaws. I mean, if we were going on an interview, we were interviewing some people in the Bible, I don't think half of them or all, many, many of them would ever make the staff at Wood's Edge. They wouldn't be able to work here. We'd be in an interview maybe with Noah, and, um, you know, just, just thinking out loud here. So Noah, uh, you know, after the flood, you planted a vineyard and you got drunk and your son saw you uh, naked. So I don't know about that uh, situation. So tell, tell me more. Uh, how's that going for you? Uh, Noah, his response, you know, I've, I'm a teetotaler now. I've been sober for a thousand years. I'm good. Good to go. All right, Noah, you're on communion duty. It's grape juice. You're, you're, you're fine. <laughs> Think about uh, maybe Peter. Peter, you like knives. You like swords. You chopped a dude's ear off. You're angry. You're hostile. What, what's up with that? How you doing now? Oh, you, you're good with knives? You're, you're okay with knives? You like spoons now? It's a little weird. Okay. Uh, we need you on the security team. You're, you're hired. Um, maybe Paul. Paul even. I don't know if he would make our staff. We would never hire him. Killed 150 people, Christians. How you doing with that, Paul? Oh, I'm good. I haven't killed anybody in a while. All right, I, I need you uh, in, in the three-year-old's class, my, my, daughter's, my daughter's three-year-old class. Maybe the student ministry. God, God uses the lame in extraordinary ways. So if you think that you're too weak or too flawed... And, you know, you're kind of wrapped up in that. It's a self-obsession. And you may not know it as pride, but it's pride. It's pride. You, you think that you're so talentless, God could never use you. He can. In fact, he does. God uses the lame, and he is glorified in our weaknesses. And he, he can't do anything with, with pride but destroy it. And so he will use you if you humble yourselves. Um, someone gave me a copy. I know uh, many of you might be reading this book by Andrew Murray called Humility. Maybe you've read it. Um, I've gone two or three different places and different groups of people in different states. And it, it's odd because it's this, this pastor that uh, preached and wrote these sermons. And they, there are lots of books. I don't know that much about them. I'm not an expert. But I, I read this book at, back in the 1800s at some point. But the book is so relevant. Actually, we've got some on sale out in the lobby. I'll tell you more about it later. But he said this uh, about using the lame. Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. God opposes pride. He's opposed to pride. So if that is true, then he must be attracted to humility. He is drawn to it. Your humility, my humility, when we humble ourselves, he's drawn to it. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He continually gives grace to the humble. He is continually against those with pride. He is continually giving grace to the humble. 
Verse 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. This is another command. Do it. Humble yourselves. The first one was clothe yourselves in humility. Now humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he will exalt you. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 23, 12. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Andrew Murray said this, just as water ever seeks and fills the lowest place, so the moment God finds the creature abased and empty, his glory and power flow in to exalt and to bless. Just think about that for a minute. When God uh, flows and blesses, it's when we're at our lowest point. We know that when we're weak. We know that when we're experiencing difficulty and we feel the pressure. But sometimes we don't stay down. Uh, not that long ago, not in my notes, not that long ago, I uh, had a dream and uh, Jesus was operating on me. My chest was open and uh, I remember kind of feeling afraid and, and pain. I don't have dreams like this. I seldom remember my dreams. But Jesus was operating on me and he was kind of picking out little bits of, I guess, what I thought was like shrapnel or something. And he looked at me and smiled. And I thought, this is really weird because this is odd. I can see inside my chest and he's just picking stuff out. And uh, I wanted to get up. And I remember trying to get up off of the table. And Jesus said, you can get up, but I'll have to sew you back up and you'll still have all of this in you. And if you just wait, I'll be able to get all of it out. And so I remember just staying and waiting. Later on, uh, after I woke up, I shared this with someone. They prayed about it and they saw that Jesus at some point was connecting, uh, disconnecting the IV, you know, for, I guess, uh, medicine or something and connecting it directly to his heart. And, and that really spoke to me because during a difficult time, I didn't really realize it, that God was using a difficult situation to just kind of pick out stuff out of my heart because he can't do anything with pride. I humbled myself and I'm trying to continue doing that. And I don't know if talking about it is really humble either. <laughs> That's the thing about humility. Um, if you brag about your humility, are you really humble? If, if like, if someone, if someone were to come up to you and, like, if I were to come up to you and say, hey, so what's God doing in your life? Yeah, I really feel like this sense of humility. God's really building it inside of me. Really? In the face of adversity, it means you surrender. It means you get low. In the midst of trial, in the midst of betrayal, you get low. You humble yourselves. Another Andrew Murray uh, zinger. Let us accept gladly whatever can humble us before God or men. This alone is the path to the glory of God. Accept every humiliation. Look upon every fellow man who tries or vexes you as a means of grace to humble you. That's deep. There's, there's a few things that just kind of slap me in the face. And the first one is let us gladly, let us accept gladly whatever can humble us before God or men. That is not me. I, I think it's like I was in that dream where I wanted to get up off of the table. It's uncomfortable to feel that, uh, feel that way. But let us gladly accept it. Instead, let us be joyful in the midst of those things. That's opposite from who I am. 
Is that opposite of, of who you are? Do you fight against it or do you humble yourself? The next one that really gets me is look upon every fellow man who tries or vexes you as a means of grace to humble you. I normally think about that. Never think that way. I normally think that guy's annoying. And that's it. <laughs> but instead, I'm being challenged. Think, think of it like that. Think of it in those terms that he's using people who try or vex you or come against you to humble you. And be thankful. Rejoice in that. <laughs> Rejoice in that. Humble people don't have to defend themselves because they know God's their defense. So take your needs to God and submit to uh, him under his mighty hand. Humble yourself below God because he is our authority. And we worship him. We exalt him. Uh, worship in its simplest form, the definition is just bowing down, getting your head below your heart. Worship is bowing down and getting your head below your heart. He's mighty, he's strong, he's powerful, and without him we're nothing. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. It's conditional. God exalting us uh, only comes when we humble ourselves. That's it. It doesn't say that you will exalt yourself when it's good on your terms and your timing. That's not, it doesn't work that way. It only works when we humble ourselves and it's according to his plan and it's so that he will exalt us. We can't jump ahead of it and exalt ourselves because what he ends up doing is resisting us in our pride. Verse 7, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, when Peter wrote this a long time ago, uh, verses 6 and 7 were really just one se sentence. There weren't numbers. There weren't verse, um, what's the word? There weren't verses. There you go. And so all that's happening here is this is a uh, subordinate clause. These two phrases go together. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Humbling yourselves comes by casting your anxieties on God. Humble yourselves by casting your anxieties on God. They go together. Uh, holding on to your anxieties, holding on to your worries is pride. But casting your anxieties on him is humility. Your anxieties can be uh, anything from irrational uh, fears to legitimate concerns. On the irrational fears side of things, uh, Y2K. It's the year 2015 and your computer's still working, so move on. It's good. Let it go. If anybody's still worried about that, I don't, I don't. God help them. Okay, irrational fears. Another one, alien invasions. Alien, that's irrational. Well, maybe, maybe it's not. Um, real concerns, though. Uh, not, not any light here. Uh, uh, cancer would be one um, that, that's deep and hard. It's a real concern. No one's going to bat their eyes at you or shake their head in disgust if someone in your family has cancer and you're worried and concerned about it. Uh, same with if your child has a drug addiction and you're wrapped up in trying to find a solution, you're concerned about that. That's a legitimate concern. That's a legitimate thing to think about. Or maybe you lost your job this last week or a month ago or a year ago and you're not sure what to do. 
That's a legitimate concern. Jesus is saying that both of these things, if we hold on to them, they're pride. So if we hold on to the irrational fears, stuff that probably will never happen, or someone looked at you in a weird way, you sent a text to someone and they haven't responded and it's only been 120 seconds, you should probably let it go. But on the other side of things, if it's real concerns, both of these things are worried and, and we have to cast these things on him, put them on him. We throw them on him. It's not just a toss or little pieces at a time. It's a one-time thing that we give it to the Lord and move on. Now, we may wake up the next day and remember it and we have to, have to do it again. We just continually remember that he's got it. This last week in our staff prayer time, um, one of our staff members uh, was sharing with a small group of people that someone in his family has uh, cancer that's come back again. It was in remission for a while and it's come back again. And he, he was really concerned about it and was sharing. And uh, we didn't know it at the time, but um, a couple minutes later, we did some, some prayer where we were just asking God, hey, what do you want us to know about this in and, and our own lives, individually, one-on-one? And, and so he stopped and just asked God, hey, God, what, what do you want me to know about this? So at the end of that time, we came back together and shared what God had spoken. And for for me, Ashley and I had gotten in a fight, and so God said for me to love Ashley well. <laughs> so I went and got her flowers. She was at the dentist. I see my dentist. Uh, he, she was at the dentist, and so I, I kind of hid out. Uh, that, was, that was easy. For, for him, he, he had something real, something deep. His child has cancer again, possibly. The concern, I get it. But in a split second, he heard God say this, I got it. And so instantly he was able to let that go, to cast it on the Lord and hold on to it no longer. Even though he had experienced pain in the past and he was experiencing pain in the present, thinking about what might happen again to his daughter that he might have to go through and watch and see, he was able to let go instantly and cast it on the Lord and give it to him because Jesus spoke, I've got this. How can we cast our anxieties on the Lord and why should we? Verse um, 7 says, because he cares for you. He cares for you. He cares for me. So we're able to do that. We can trust Jesus with our burdens and our anxieties and our worries because if we hold on to them, like I said, he will resist us in our pride. But if we humbly give them to him, we'll receive grace and he'll exalt us in due time because he cares for us. About three years ago, um, I, two or three years ago, I was going through a tough time in my head. And uh, Jeff talks about OCD so much that I thought, hey, maybe I've got OCD. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And so I went on a walk with him around the parking lot, and I was just telling him what was going on. And um, later on that day, I decided I would s- sit down and kind of list out all of the different things that were kind of eating me up, you know, that I was worried about or frustrated about. Turns out I had 12 pages of stuff that I didn't know was there. And so I wrote it all out and ended up with 12 pages. And um, I remember going back to Jeff. And, um, and Jeff was like, hey, man, I, I agree with these things. Jeff and I are close. I love him like a dad. And so he was able to say something to me that I wouldn't have received from anyone else probably. He said, I know you love me. I know you love those close to you. But in some other areas, I don't know. I don't know if you've got love like you think you do. And I wasn't afraid that I was going to get fired, but I was afraid that I might drop dead right then because I was convicted. I was 
hurt to see myself in a new way. And um, I went home kind of frustrated at what do I do now? What, what do I, he, he challenged me to really pray and seek God's face on some stuff because I couldn't let, let some things go. And I, I didn't know it until I had written all these things down. So I went home and I was sitting in the backyard and it was kind of the cold, first cold snap. It wasn't, it wasn't July or August, I can tell you that much. Sitting out back and looking up at the stars and um, I was so far gone in, in my head that I, I wouldn't have naturally come to this conclusion. I know that it was Jesus. He led me to 1 Corinthians 13. I know that it was him because when I felt to, compelled to go to the Bible and look at that scripture. I've read that scripture many, many times, and I know what it is, but in that moment, I had no idea what I was in for, for some reason. So I went and grabbed my Bible, and I opened it, and, oh, I see what, what's going on. And so I started to read through it, and I remembered a phrase that someone told me a long time ago, uh, humble people are lovers of people, lovers of people are humble people. And in an instant, uh, I, I broke, because I've read this, we're going to read it together, and uh, I saw myself and how desperate I was without him, how absolutely nothing I was without him, and how much pride had entered my heart, and I was broken. Let's, let's read this together, and um, it's, it's going to be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. Love isn't envious, doesn't brag, boast, brag, or strut about. There's no arrogance in love. It's never rude, crude, or indecent. It's not self-absorbed. Love isn't easily upset. Love doesn't tally wrongs or celebrate injustice. But truth, yes, truth is love's delight. Love puts up with anything and everything that comes along. It trusts, hopes, and endures no matter what. I read that out of that translation I couldn't find my Bible. That's uh, the voice translation, Ashley's. And um, I was super convicted because as I read that passage of Scripture, I felt like it was the exact opposite of who I had become. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I, I thought I was good. I thought I was good. Uh, pride, I had never really considered that or not loving someone, not loving others. And uh, so I, I confessed it to the Lord, and instantly something broke. And it's still a process. Two, three years later, um, I'm still convicted when I read this. Um, but I just want to compare and contrast some things. And, and maybe you think about yourself in light of what I shared, and we'll look in light of this scripture. Humble people are patient. Verse 4, love is patient. Humble people are patient. Prideful people are impatient. Humble people are kind. They're um, they highlight the good in others, and they minimize the shortcomings in others. Prideful people are inconsiderate. They minimize the good and highlight the shortcomings. I'm guilty of that. I, I slip into that. Humble people are not envious. They're not jealous, but prideful people are. They're envious and they're jealous. Humble people uh, don't boast or brag. They don't feel the need to talk about themselves. Prideful people, on the other hand, brag. They name drop. It's the Instagram lifestyle making everything look so perfect when it's not. And making everyone jealous of the fact that you're not really doing what it looks like you're doing. It's the weirdest thing. So if that's you and you're wrapped up in that, 
uh, my challenge is to maybe do an Instagram fast. And if you're the person that gets prideful when you see Instagram posts, just delete Instagram. It's a lot better. That's what I did. Uh, humble people aren't arrogant. They realize their shortcomings. They are keenly aware of how much they are in need of help from others and from God. They're, they're learners. Humble people are curious. They ask questions. Prideful people aren't. They know everything. They weigh in on things that they're ignorant about. They get around people and they just start to talk about stuff. And you're like, just shut your mouth, please. You're embarrassing me. But they can't help it. Maybe that's you, maybe that's not. Prideful people are opinionated. They just, they have to be at the center of attention. Humble people are never rude, crude, or indecent. But prideful people are. They, they say things like, I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm just being candid. I'm just being real. To, to um, like make amends for the fact that they're slandering or gossiping. Um, there's no excuse for that. It's pride. Humble people aren't self-absorbed. But prideful people are. They're obsessed with me and my preferences and the things that I want, the things that I need, my life, my schedule. I need to be comfortable. That's pride. They walk into a room like this and they can't worship. If the temperature's not right and the lights aren't right and the songs aren't right and the volume's not right and everything's not right because I have needs and they're not being met and Somehow you've gotten the focus off of God and onto you because worship's not about you. Worship's about God. And I have to remind myself too, when I stand up here sometimes and I'm singing and leading and I see people drinking coffee or talking, hey man, what's up? Or um, on their phones, there was a guy over here like, I don't know, not, I don't see him over there, so you're good. <laughs> there was a guy over there like, uh, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, and literally the whole service, the all four songs, 25 minutes on his phone the whole time. And I'm like, Ugh. okay, so I have to do the same thing. I have to stop and not look and, and get my eyes off of you because worship's not about you. Y'all think y'all struggle with me and Ashley sometimes. Think about me. I see all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, truth. Um, so I have, to, I have to remember that and, and bow and get low and humble myself because it's pride. When I start looking at y'all, it's pride. It's pride. If y'all get caught up and can't worship because of whatever, it's pride. It's the same stuff. We're, we're all the same. We're all people. Uh, humble people are not easily upset. They're not easily rattled. Um, prideful people are. They're, they get upset really easily. It's like walking on eggshells. They're offended really easily. Humble people don't tally wrongs. Prideful people do. Uh, humble people celebrate truth. Prideful people shade the truth. They lie. They manipulate. Humble people, they put up with anything and everything that comes along. No, I don't do that. I have a line. I will go no further. That's pride. Humble people put up with anything and everything that comes along. Humble people trust, hope, and endure no matter what. They're solid, rock solid. They're dependable. You can lean on them. Prideful people, they're suspicious. They're critical of everyone. It's the world versus you. Poor you. Maybe you were hurt in a really bad way 10 or 15, 20, 50 years ago. It's time to let it go. It's a slap in the face of God and him sending him, his son to die on the cross for you to be wrapped up in this victim spirit. Just let it go and move on in freedom. 
Okay, stop being suspicious and love people. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. Pursue humility and resist pride. i got to wrap it up. Recap. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We should be humble. That's the point of the message. Peter says it twice. Clothe yourselves in humility. Humble yourselves. Two commands. Be humble. Be humble. And then he gives us four reasons why we should be humble. Because God resists the proud. Because God gives grace to the humble. Think about it for a second. What's worse than uh, an omnipresent, uh, omniscient God being against you? Because of your pride. That's a great reason why to be humble. Another good reason is because God gives grace to the humble. What's better than that? Receiving his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness, his embrace and his love. Third reason why we should be humble is because God will exalt the humble. That's a good reason. Number four, because God will care for the humble. Four reasons. And then here are some ways that we can pursue humility. We've got to see our pride. It takes a lot of humility to understand it and even more to resist the pride that comes so naturally. We have to see our pride. We have to see the cross. Without the cross, we have no hope. Jesus on the cross, our pride, our sin, our shame on him. He, he humbly did it. He clothed himself in humility in the ultimate way, taking all of it on him. So we have to see our pride. We have to see the cross. And then we accept the love of God that we have in Christ, not uh, in our performance or in our actions. When we do this, God gives us a worshipful obsession for Jesus in exchange for the worshipful obsession that we have for ourselves, that yuckiness. We give it to him, and in exchange, he, he installs a, uh, an obsession for him. And so I'm, as I close, we're going to have a couple of questions on the screen, and then we're going to go into a time of communion and worship. Uh, but I just want to leave you with a couple of questions and Maybe we could dim the lights, and as the band comes uh, and we prepare to worship, just think about these two questions that are up on the screen. Uh, Number one, who do I worship? And don't answer it so quickly. Maybe you have an answer quickly, but wait and listen to the Lord to respond. Who do I worship? Number two, where is there pride in my heart? So maybe close your eyes, thinking about those two questions, and and ask the Lord to show you the pride in your heart. Maybe you feel like you, you've dealt with some of these things and there's something new that's popped up because you're still human. Ask the Lord to reveal it, to show it to you, to expose it. Then humbly confess it and receive his grace and ask him to give you a worshipful obsession for Jesus. Let's just take some time in quiet and listen to the Lord.
Jesus, we know that without you, we're nothing. If we're self-satisfied and self-sufficient, would you break that in us so that we only bow to you and see nothing but the cross? That's what we want. That's what we need. God, we receive your grace and your forgiveness, and we thank you that you uh, took our place and that we can live free. For those that are just burdened and wrapped up by anxiety or fear, would you release them today? Would you give them the ability to cast their cares on you? Your burden is light. We bless your name for that. Father, make us humble people that we would be known by our humility. That people around the area and in the city would know us because of our love and our humility. In Christ's name we pray.